Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 157. Today, we're going to talk about reducing excess stuff. And and maybe we're going to even talk about reducing some of the things that add value to our lives, mm. or maybe the things that we perceive add value, but are imaginary values in our lives. Yeah. It's funny what we can justify. You and I, before the podcast started, we were doing this um, YouTube live stream, we, we call it Behind the Scenes Live, and the thing that I was trying to remind people is that the lottery was, I think, $1.6 billion, yeah, crazy, with a man. B. Yeah. And uh, I just wanted to remind folks that the lottery is a tax on the poor. Mm. You're 400 times more likely to get uh, struck by lightning than you are to win the lottery. So if you do win the lottery, you're just as likely to get hit by 400 lightning bolts, which why would you (laughs) want that to happen to you? But you you were saying something fascinating. You were having dinner the other night with uh, Peter Rollins, who was on our podcast recently, and he was talking about not winning the lottery, but winning the lottery anyway. Yeah, he was talking with his friend about, uh, you know, what would happen if they won the lottery, and his his buddy was talking about um, all the things he would do with the money. Mm. And then Peter Rollins was like, wait a minute, man. He's like, you are debt-free. You live in Los Angeles. You can afford to live in Los Angeles. You're spending less than what you make. He's like, you've already won the lottery, man. And it's so true. As soon as you are living within your means, you have won the lottery in a way. Because, Well, yeah, because the thing about winning the lottery is having this financial freedom. Now, I understand lottery winners can buy yachts and, you know, me being financial free right now does, you know, that includes a life without yachts. Right. Even if I could afford it, I wouldn't get it. But, but, oh, go ahead. Yeah, but so, so you being financially free also means free in other ways as well because right. the the implication of being financially free is being less tethered to either a lifestyle so in a weird way that yacht can be a burden on people especially when mm. you start you know, if you have a yacht you have to hire a full-time crew and you have a captain and you have people cleaning the boat and you're paying for these people but also you're managing them and and in a way you're you're building up these you know brick by brick by brick you're building Mm. up these prison walls to be less free in a way and you're being encumbered right and burdened by the things that we thought were going to make us free in the first place yeah absolutely man i mean yeah it's if you can i feel like if i can live debt free and I can save, you know, each month for retirement. I'm spending less than what I'm making. Um, then, man, like that's kind of winning the lottery on its own, right? Well, and I, I get so frustrated when I hear so many people say it's just not realistic to live debt free. But, but of course, most people throughout most of humanity, mm-hmm. th- all, throughout all of evolution. Uh, until very recently lived debt free yeah and even in the modern world the post-agricultural world within the last 10,000 years we've had homes we've been tethered to one place but most of that time we had no debt at all well it's definitely harder to live debt free i mean i I don't want to just you know make it sound like it's this super easy thing to do it's simple mm-hmm. um I, I think that anyone can do it it doesn't take you know so it just takes someone who can form a plan mm-hmm. and and work that plan but but at the same time it's it, it's harder to to work that plan to be debt free because it's easy to go into debt yes but it's actually harder on you if you are in debt it's harder on you psychologically emotionally certainly financially when when we are in debt and i think one of the keys what we're going to be talking about today is the excess stuff in our lives so let's talk about what excess means at first because my excess might be different from your excess right ryan so mm-hmm. so for me 
the my, my self-imposed definition of excess here is excess is that which does not add value to our lives mm. and so when we talk about what adds value does it serve a purpose so if i have a pin that serves a purpose it's adding value to my life yep. or does it bring me joy yeah we were at your house yesterday uh, recording some living room conversations for youtube and uh, you have some artwork on the wall it may not have a particular function necessarily but it, it does it does serve a different purpose right? where it brings you joy, that aesthetic pleasure. And so in a way, you could even argue that it does have a function. It does serve a purpose. It, it enhances the aesthetics or the beauty of your home. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so that's what excess is in, in the, the terms of today. And I found this video. Someone actually, it was our friend Mike Adkins sent it over to me very okay. strangely. And it... Uh, I didn't know at the time we were going to be doing an episode about excess, but it is the perfect video to describe, well, this human condition of, I think we're drawn to excess in a way. So let's take a look. Yeah, at let's this. check it out. Whether you drive a Volkswagen or you drive a Bentley, the road remains the same, doesn't it? Whether you speak on a Samsung or you speak on an iPhone X, Whoever you're calling remains the same, isn't it? Whether you're flying economy or you're flying business, the destination where you're heading remains the same, isn't it? Whether you're wearing a simple fast track or you wear an Omega or a Rolex, the time remains the same, isn't it? It's quite amazing how we work ourselves up so much with increasing the standard of living that we forget to increase the standard of our life. And which is why wherever I travel, I make an appeal to people. There's nothing wrong with an Omega. There's nothing wrong with a Bentley. God bless you with that. And if you have it, drive it. No problem. But in trying to enhance and increase and improvise the standard of your living, please, please, do not compromise with the standard of your life. It's not the standard of your living that makes you happy. It's the standard of your life that makes you happy. And very often, we forget to give attention to those things that can truly make us happy. Which is why uh, I, 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 I always say, things that I'm talking about, they have utility value, right? Not happiness value. Travel business class or first class? Travel, no problem. Drive a Bentley, no problem. But in doing so, never, ever compromise on those principles that also improve the standard of your life. And therefore, I always say, some people are so poor, so poor, so absolutely poor that all they have is money. That's all they have. That's all they have. I consider that life a poverty-stricken life. If all you have is money, you're the poorest person in the world. Because there's more to life than money. And there's way more to life than what money can buy. And therefore, I many times say, if you want to truly know how rich you are, drop a tear and see how many hands come forth to wipe that tear. Ladies and gentlemen, our happiness, our happiness and our increased standard of life is not in things, it's in people. It's relationships. It's meaningful, heartfelt, deep bondings of love. That bring fulfillment to the heart. It's those meaningful exchanges of love that we share with each other in relationships. That brings true joy to the heart. And isn't it the greatest irony? That something that brings in the greatest fulfillment, we very conveniently neglect in just running after increasing and enhancing our standard of living. Wow, man! Have you good. have you seen that one before? I haven't, and I, I hadn't either. And um, yeah, the, a few things that, that stood out to me were he he sort of differentiated with some wordplay there: the standard of living versus the standard of life. Yeah. If I were to append that a little bit, I would just say the the 
don't don't sacrifice your standards for a standard of living yeah. you and i often talk about raising your standards but but uh lowering the expectations and right now we have so many expectations we have these excess expectations or better yet we have these expectations of excess if i win the lottery i can get that yacht i can buy the mansion and just before this you revealed to me that if you won the lottery accidentally i don't know how you would but maybe you walked by the winning ticket you picked it up and all of a sudden you realize like i am 1.6 billion dollars richer your life would not change appreciably from how it changes right now you might have a a slightly newer car you might have a um might have a, own a house yeah own a house instead of renting one being yeah. able to own a house outright but not in a considerably different dwelling from what you live in now in terms of square feet or or, or opulence mm-hmm. uh, you're probably not going to go buy a mansion in beverly hills with that money mm-hmm. but as he said in that that video there's nothing inherently wrong with the house or the car or whatever. It's when we put those things first, when we think that that excess is, is what allows us to succeed. Yeah. And, and in our society, in our culture, the trinkets of success are, are the things that we use to measure our lives, but they're not a measurement of fulfillment or joy or happiness. They're a measure, measurement of material wealth. Yeah. But I, I think he put a great, I mean, he, what was his name? Oh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's okay if you don't know his name, but, but you know, what he did is he did a great job of explaining how hey look yeah it's okay to have the bentley drive a bentley it's okay to it's okay to wear rolex if that's what you want to wear it's okay to fly first class the problem is when we forsake our did he say our principles yeah he did say principles yeah and and what he called the the standard of life is really what he was talking about is having your principles what you and i would refer to them as as values now we would delineate different types of values and we could talk about those today Mm -hmm. when we're answering some of these questions and the thing that really stood out to me is he said that that some people are so poor is that all they have is money yeah and then if you or have all, all you have is money, then you're the poorest person in the world. Yeah, and man, that that stuck with me because we can have excess. We get to these points where we we um, we amass the excess. The average American house has three hundred thousand items in it. It didn't happen overnight. You didn't go out and buy three hundred thousand things at Home Depot and Walmart this weekend. Mm-hmm. It happened over years, decades, several decades sometimes. And so you get to that point where. You're like my mom when she passed, she was 65 years old and she had 65 years worth of accumulations Mm -hmm. in a tiny one bedroom apartment. And she wasn't a hoarder. She just held on to things. She had excess. She had 14 winter coats in her closet and she lived in Florida. She had these things that she wasn't using. It didn't make her a bad person. It didn't even make her wrong. Mm. It just meant that, that, um, like most of us, and I think this is the human condition. We when we don't when we don't stop ourselves, we don't stop back. We always want the new thing, and it drives forward innovation. Yeah. It's the reason we have all these really, we have these cool microphones, and we have like we we have this these these sound panels. We I have a iPhone in my pocket, and, and it's because like we crave innovation, and we mm-hmm. go for more, 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 more. That becomes a problem when it's unchecked. When we when we don't start thinking about why do I need this this new thing? Yeah, I know you have an older version of the iPhone, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a few versions old. Yeah, and and there and for you right now, there isn't a good reason for you to upgrade to a new one. Now, for me in my my current situation, I upgraded last year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whenever the 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 ten counts, so the, the the version before the one that's the the three newest ones now, the XS yeah, whatever, the, the first version of the ten, yeah, the ten one, <laughs> X one, one X. So confused right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, um, for me, there there are a couple things on there that have really aided my relationships personally. Um, mm. 
when I say relationships, my relationship with my partner Bex, which I could be fine with uh, an old flip phone with her, mm-hmm. but with Ella, like I was on FaceTime with her last night and it has the an emoji feature and yeah. she was having a meltdown before I called her and you know, she's in a different city right now. And and when I called her, I was able to put the dragon and emoji on. And so I was a dragon as I talked to her. Oh, wow. And uh, it was... A, it was extremely valuable like to have her laughing by the end of the conversation because she was having a bad day yesterday and uh, so sometimes these things can aid our life and so you and I aren't aren't going to say hey get rid of all of your things everything is excess Mm -hmm. the question is does it actually bring any sort of value to your life yeah all right man what do you think we should get into these questions about excess yeah let's do it our first question today is from Abby in Alberta Canada I've been a lifelong minimalist at heart, so simplifying my life and identifying values has always been really easy for me, um, and I only really own things that really bring value into my life at this point, but what brings the most value also brings a lot of agitation and compulsion when I lose them or they break. Um, this, this partly has to do with a mental illness, but you know things like hair ties, t-shirts, pens, um, I have favorites of those things, and I'll lose them, break them, and I just, you know, I just can't focus. So I try to distract myself, meditate. I've even considered just removing all things that are my favorite. But the thing is, when they're not broken and lost and and whatnot, they uh, they bring so much value into my life, and uh, so I'm just really torn about how to bring calm into my life without just getting rid of everything I value. So here's the thing. She, she said she's a lifelong minimalist at heart. And, and I appreciate the sentiment, but here's what I'll say. Minimalism isn't in the heart. It's in the actions. Yeah. Um, it's just like, uh, that's like saying I'm a carpenter at heart, right? But like, really, you're a carpenter only if you take the actions to build things. Mm-hmm. And minimalism is is a tool in a way. And as a minimalist, I use minimalism to, to simplify my life. Now, I can actually, I, I can really identify with Abby because I have, you know, I have OCD. I have many of the same compulsions. And she, yeah. in fact, even mentioned some of the things Um the, yeah, having the well, hair, I don't have hair ties, but like <laughs> she said, pins. And and it's funny that we got this question right now because just this past week, I uh, th- at home got rid of all of my pins that weren't uniform. You come into the office here, we have uniform pins, yes. right? Um, and it's because I have I, I I have the same sort of neurotic struggles that that Abby has here. And so what I do is I make sure when I have multiples of something whether it's underwear shirts um i'm I'm trying to think socks Uh, yeah uh, yeah whatever it is yeah socks is is a really good example pins whenever i have multiples of something i make sure they're all the same because Mm. i know other backs could care less uh if we have all the same and and that does two things for me one is i have the optimal version of what i want right right i I don't have just well there's a collection of hair ties or pins or underwear that some of this underwear is uncomfortable i might as well hold on to it or whatever no no no. i have i have the ideal one and then i also know when I lose it or break it, I know what to replace it with. Yeah. When my underwear rips or whatever, I uh, I decide, you know, I have to bring more underwear back in my life. I know exactly, I don't, I don't have to go out there and, and neurose over which type should I get? Should I try something new this time? The beauty about minimalism, I remember we talked to Frank, who's in our documentary, Minimalism, mm-hmm. our Netflix documentary, and... Um, he Frank's a minimalist architect and uh, we were sitting on his couch in his living room and he said uh, it took me three years to find this couch and I couldn't find it so I had it built oh wow and uh, uh, I the reason I did that took so much time invested this time and effort is so I would never have to think about it again Mm. I'm not gonna have to replace this couch for the next 10 20 years because I'm dissatisfied with it and the same should be true for the little things in our lives even if it's a pin or a hair tie or a t-shirt I have multiples of the same thing and when they wear out or they break or I lose it I can just say let go of it bring a new one in it's totally okay I totally I totally agree man it's like with my black t-shirts I might try a new brand 
Right. And then maybe that new, like I'll get one of a new brand to try it out. And then all of a sudden that becomes my favorite black t-shirt. Well, let's talk about that. Then I go and I get multiple versions of that black t-shirt. And you had this happen. So, so this is a good example. Let's say they stop making this pin. Mm-hmm. They stopped making the, the shirt that you bought. In fact, well, the, the quality reduced. The, the company sort of changed hands. Yeah, I did switch brands, and, and which so is fine. When the quality reduced, mm-hmm. you were like, I'm, I'm actively going to find a new brand now, mm-hmm. but with the intent of, I want to find the brand that I can continue to buy, not because you have brand loyalty, but because it makes the decision-making process easy, and you, you're not going to continue to experience decision fatigue. What right. Abby is experiencing here right now is excess fatigue. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean... It, <laughs> Well, the other thing too, man, is I, I it's it's well the, the experiment you did was really interesting, right? You had your favorites, you had that article that you did when we first started the minimalists.com. Yeah, th- this was uh, back in 20 early 2011. And uh, they asked you, well, you know, what are your favorite things? And you're like, here are these pair of shoes, pair of jeans, here, here's a shirt. And then you were like, wait a minute, like these are my favorite things. I'm putting a lot of meaning on these. Mm-hmm. I wonder what it would be like to just get rid of these favorite things. Yeah. Well, I think that's important because we do often couple meaning with our our things. Mm-hmm. But the, the the truth is, our things don't have any meaning other than the meaning we give to them. So I had my favorite shirt then. Right. I had my favorite pair of Allen Edmonds dress shoes. <laughs> I had my favorite pair of J. Crew jeans. And when when that journalist asked me. Or the blogger asked me, hey, because it was one of those weird things where it was like, hey, as a minimalist, what are your favorite things? And I'm like, yeah, I do have some favorite things. Here's my favorite shirt. Here's my favorite jeans. Here are my favorite shoes. And then as I was typing this up to him and sending him pictures, I'm like, well, wait a minute. Why are these my favorite things? Well, because I get more value from them than the other things. But I realized like, well, wait a minute. They're just things. And because it's a favorite thing, what if I got rid of it? then I could get rid of the meaning I'm giving to these things. It was an mm-hmm. exercise in letting go, not of the things necessarily, but of the meaning. And guess what? New things jumped up and became my favorites. If I were to hold on to those right now, I I, I highly doubt they'd still be my favorite jeans right. or my favorite shoes. S- yeah. I'd just be holding on to them for no reason. Yeah, it was almost 10 years ago. Something else definitely would have taken their place. So Abby, we're not telling you to get rid of your favorite things, but she did ask. She's like, you know, I just don't, you know, should I get rid of my favorite things? And it's like, if they're, your, if they're your favorite things, that's fine. Hold on to them. But if you, if if they're causing you pain, then then maybe you want to rethink uh, how much attention you're giving those items. Like I know for me, with the more I kind of keep my thoughts going on uh, and get focused on one thing, like I start to neurose over it. Mm. And and I know that Abby said she's got a little bit of a mental illness. So you know, my question would be: Is how can I? neurose less i know uh meditation definitely helps with that for sure but in the same token too like you want a little friction you want a little pain you want a little you want a little bit of discomfort right yeah i think so like you just don't want things to be super easy um uh, but but abby it's it's uh ultimately it's it's sunk cost when you lose those things yeah but you know if you have to be willing to let it go yeah if you've got a favorite hair tie though abby then buy multiple multiples of that hair tie and then get rid of the ones that aren't your favorite yeah and it's gonna it's gonna simplify it's gonna streamline the the collection of things you have and then you're not gonna be worried about losing them because you'll realize that they are just things abby i'd love to send you a copy of our book uh, it's called essential there's a whole chapter actually if you're watching this on youtube i think i have a copy of it here sean was kind enough to set these out for us it is an essay collection called essential and um, what camera should I hold this up to, Jordan? This one here? Yeah. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, it is called Essential. It's 150 essays about intentional living, but there's an entire chapter in here about stuff. And since you're dealing with your stuff right now, Abby, I think you'll find value in that. So we'll either send you the book book, or if you like this podcast, you'll probably like the audiobook version of that book as well. It's our longest book. It's over a six-hour audiobook. Mm. Or if you want the ebook version, then we're happy to send that to you as well. Sean, if you'd reach out to Abby, send her a copy of Essential Essays by The Minimalists. All right, our next question is from Tiffany in Pasadena. So I have a lot of handbags designer um, and they're very expensive Um, and they're just sitting in my closet but um, I'm not sure what to do with them Um, I do think that I will eventually maybe give it to my daughter if I ever have kids but um, um, but I don't want to get rid of them Um, I did get them from 
from my mom. So, uh, <laughs> um, so what should I do with them? All right, Tiffany, I am truly perplexed by your question. I'm, I'm confused because you're calling us up and just telling us you want to keep your stuff. Um, you're asking us what you say, I want to keep them, but what should I do? <laughs> well, if you want to keep your stuff, then keep your stuff. Ryan and I aren't here to be the stuff police. We're not the excess police today. We're trying to help you out. However, here, here's my, my, my big butt here. However, if you're calling us up, it's telling me that these things are causing enough discontent in your life that you want to do something with them. And that something isn't what you're currently doing with them, which is you have, you're basically, you've turned your house into a storage locker for expensive designer hand, oh, very expensive. Yes. Designer uh, handbags that are sitting in your closet and they might go to some hypothetical daughter that you may or may not have. And here's the other, the, the other thing. Your mom gave these to you. You based on your voicemail are currently not getting any value from them and now you want to give them to someone else who is likely also not going to get any value from them based on your own experience well this is this is difficult really it sounds like because you know uh, she doesn't want to let down her mom right yes like her mom gave her these. that's the implicit question right yeah and you know it's it's so hard man when a family member or a friend or, you know, someone gives you something mm-hmm. that means a lot to them. I mean, I still have a bunch of handbags you gave me. I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> but, you know, it's like I, I could see where Tiffany would be like, oh, wow, mom, like these mean a lot to you. That's that's awesome. Um, yeah, thank you. Thank you for giving me something that means a lot to you. And I understand that transaction part of it. But when we go with the flow like that, well, we find us... You know, we find ourselves being in a situation like Tiffany is. So, I don't know how you would approach this, Josh. Mm. Um, I can tell you how I did approach it recently. So, I, I would I would do one of two things. I'd either accept the fact that I'm going to have these handbags mm. and figure out a way to keep them that is going to be, you know, the easiest way to keep them. I mean, that doesn't sound like what Tiffany wants to do. But if it's that important to her to keep these 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 heirlooms, or uh, I guess they're starting to become heirlooms, <laughs> then <laughs> oh she's oh wait hold on let's let's take that line of thought for a second okay creating heirlooms isn't actually creating heirlooms yeah that's true that is so true man yeah that's, that's not how something becomes an heirloom right yeah so so Tiffany if that is the case though then yeah like it's keep them but you've got to look in the mirror. Anytime you get frustrated with those handbags and you've got to say, I'm doing this to myself. I'm deciding to hold on to these. So that's option number one. Option number two is she can completely uh, uh, get those out of her life. The way I would do it personally is I would go to my, my mother and I would say, hey, I know that these handbags mean a lot to you. But to be honest, they are stressing me out because I have to store them. I don't use them. They are causing a lot of anxiety in my life. And I really, really want to, uh, I I want to get them out of my home. Uh, Do you mind holding on to them until I might have a daughter one day? Is that something you're willing to hold on to? (laughs) These are so stressful that I'm calling up a couple of 37 year old guys from Ohio and asking them what I should do with them. Right. They're clearly not adding value to your life. And that's the problem. If you were getting value from them, it just goes back to that video. You have the Bentley of handbags, it sounds yeah. like, or several Bentleys. Yeah. Um, you're like the, who was the guy in the Wild Wild Country with 42 Rolls Royces? <laughs> um, and, Osho. Yeah, Osho. That's him. Um, and and here's the thing. Like, if you were getting value from these, great. I remember my former spouse, she loved having all these different handbags. Yeah. And, like, she used them all the time. And, I mean, great. If you're going to use them, wonderful. But but collecting is just well-planned hoarding. Yeah. And ultimately, too, like, don't let someone else's feelings... I don't know if I'm wording this right. Maybe you can help me word this better, Josh. But letting someone else's feelings towards an item transfer to yourself Mm. it's like if if those handbags mean a lot to her mom like that's great like if she really likes them and uses them and you know but but don't take it upon yourself tiffany 
to to make it make yourself feel like you have to appreciate them the same exact way that your mom does. Physical attachment to material items is non-transferable. Yeah, absolutely. There you go. There's a minimal maxim for you, podcast. So what did you do? You said you had this happen recently. So very recently. So when we were moving, so last year, okay, um, we were moving in the back of my junk drawer was my mom's wedding diamond wedding ring and oh it was a God. really nice wedding ring um and small because my mom was you know 411 yeah uh and and uh she had I, I remember having it but i didn't remember still having it like i didn't remember ever getting rid of it either but just it i just stopped thinking about it right after my yeah. mom passed i brought it back to uh, to dayton and then it traveled with me to montana yeah. and then i found it in the back of the drawer and, and uh and in the box it was this little box and my wedding ring was in there too from my first marriage oh wow and i'm like first i didn't even think it was mine i thought i got rid of that like, i i but then again i didn't remember getting rid of it yeah. but just like a lot of the things when i was getting rid of things like at some point it, it, it was just snowballing get rid right. of this get rid of this go 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 everything must go <laughs> uh i was having a fire sale and um and so i i was like well we just need to get rid of these i donated my my ring and then with uh my mom's ring i'm like i had the same feelings as tiffany Mm. well what if i have a daughter someday that wants us maybe this will be great for ella Mm. and when she gets married 20 years from now and then i'm like well wait a minute like i don't need to create an heirloom someone could get value from this right now so i have a niece her name's keila my my brother jerome um uh, he has a daughter who is getting ready to graduate high school this year. And so as an early graduation gift, I gave this this ring to her. I wrote her this this beautiful note about how I'm, how much my mom loved her and cared for her when mm. she you know, my mom yeah. helped raise Keela yes. uh, and, and babysat her a lot. And now she's going to have a piece of that that I That's know she's going man. to get value yeah. from way more than if it just sits in a drawer or a closet or an attic somewhere. So my message to Tiffany is this. Can someone else get value from these? Someone you know, someone who's close to someone you know, and maybe you can contribute beyond yourself in a meaningful way by letting go. Absolutely. Tiffany, I'd love to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It's my favorite thing that we've ever written. It's right here if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, We'll send you the audiobook version of that. There's an entire chapter in here about dealing with sentimental items. It's specifically what I had to do with my mom's stuff. It Mm -hmm. was my first uh, journey into minimalism before I even knew it was called minimalism and and dealing with the death of a loved one, but also dealing with her stuff and especially dealing with her sentimental items. Because, by the way, when someone dies, instantly everything starts to become sentimental, right? You're like, I can't get rid of her... Her, her yarn that I'll never use because it's her yarn. Uh, what about this doily or whatever? These things I know I'm never going to use. Yeah. And so, uh, Tiffany, enjoy that copy of Everything That Remains. We'll send you the audiobook, the book, or the ebook, whatever you'd like. All right, y'all, we'd love to hear what you have to say. So if you have a comment or a tip about excess, including advice for any of our callers today, leave us a voicemail, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. It's my favorite part of the show. We'll air our favorite comments and tips on a future episode and at the end of this episode. So stay tuned for this week's listener comments and tips. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is, Millie. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We're on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Minimalists during the lightning round. This is where Ryan and I each do our best to answer every question with just a short shareable, less than 140 character response. We also put the text of these minimal maxims in the show notes so you can copy and share our pithy answers on social media if you'd like. And now you can find all of our minimal maxims in one place minimalmaxims.com all right our first lightning round question is from kati should i minimize everything at once or gradually well let me start with my pithy answer because it's a paradoxical pithy answer how's that for (laughs) alliteration ryan i like it all right it, it is this letting go is instantaneous letting go takes forever and what i'll say is you, not only should you do both, you kind of have to do do both because yeah. even if, uh, man, there's, uh, we just got a, a, a message from someone on Instagram. Uh, what's the island next to Guam? Uh, Saipan, correct? Uh, just was hit by the hurricane. Oh, yeah. And uh, they were just showing us pictures of all like the devastation. 
and they said, yeah. hey, because of you, um, I'm able to let go of this. So in a way, they had to let go of this instinct, like literally physically had to let go of it because they couldn't hold on to it. Yeah. But letting go also takes time emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Uh, there is a untethering and uncoupling you will do even after you let go of the physical item. So letting go does happen instantaneously, but it will con- you'll continue to let go emotionally. For a long period of time and i know with you ryan you 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 did your packing party that was a way to let go relatively quickly relatively immediately yeah. but then of course the process of letting go never stops you didn't get rid of everything and say all right i'm never going to buy anything else again mm-hmm. and i'm never going to let go or donate anything else again it continues to be a process right yeah absolutely man well yeah well here's my pithy answer a plan is helpful only if implemented so, you know, ultimately, it doesn't matter if you let go quickly. It doesn't matter if, if you let go over time. Mm. The important part is, is that you commit to how you want to bring things into your lives, how you want to remove things from your lives right? and, and, and implement that plan. Because for me, yes, I did everything instantaneously. Uh, I have to sometimes do, you know, s- something extreme to really change my state. Where with you, you did the exact opposite. Right. But here's the, here's the weird thing. So you and I had different approaches. I, it took me eight months to let go. Mm-hmm. In retrospect, I wish I would have done what you did. In fact, I wish I would have yeah. done it even quicker, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's it's the, the pulling off of the Band-Aid. I, I pulled mine off all in, you know, one setting. I didn't slowly rip at it over many days, so to speak, uh, to continue the metaphor. But with you, you just ripped it off quickly, got it out of the way. Mm-hmm. And, and and I just read Cal Newport's new book, and it's it's about digital minimalism. It's coming out next year. I can't wait to talk more about it. But one of the things he does does in there, he had, he had sixteen people, sixteen hundred people participate in this experiment of digital minimalism, and uh, and and letting go, and uh, he he made people sort of do the radical thing, the packing party version of of minimizing the digital side of. Well, things. I think when we do those radical things too, like it helps us really get clear on what truly is adding value yeah i mean that's exactly why he did it actually yeah Yeah, okay so 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 i think i think the advice here is do everything at once if you can but uh, more important than that i totally agree with ryan have a plan and then execute implement that plan absolutely all right our next question is from angela would you please talk about why getting rid of excess stuff is so emotional for many of us i'm ready and I'm actively doing it, but I cry letting go of so many things. It hurts to let go. Man, so I'm sorry that, that you're hurting. I mm. totally I understand it, though. Um, it's weird because as we let go, we, that's when we, we start giving meaning to things even more. Yeah. We give them more meaning than they, we initially gave them. Although I've already said that the things don't have meaning themselves, we've given the things some meaning, but then when it's time to let go, we overvalue that meaning even greater, right? Yeah. And so my my pithy answer for you, Angela, is letting go of stuff hurts only when we conflate material with meaning. And it's, you know, easier said than done, right, man? I mean, it's like, I got that Stein that I talk about often that my grandma gave me from high school. Mm-hmm. Ben and, Stein? Yeah, Ben Stein. It just, it holds all, you know, it's from Germany. It's, it's got the coat of arms from where, you know, our family comes from in Lonsuit, Germany. And I, I use it there for my change. And, you know, it's, it, it is, I do, I don't want to say I overvalue it, but, you know, if it broke, you know, if it spontaneously combusted, I would, I, I would probably flinch. But ultimately, uh, because you know, you and I have been practicing, uh, not creating these emotional bonds with things Mm. that, uh, the flinch wouldn't last as long. So I I guess I'm just not trying to make it sound super, super easy. It is, it's definitely difficult, but the more you practice, the easier it is. But here's, here's my pithy answer. I would say create an emotional bond with people, not things. I mean, it's very similar to our love. People use things, but that's exactly why we say that is because what you said earlier, Sometimes we overvalue things. Yeah. And when we were talking to Peter, that's what love is. Love is overvaluing something. <sighs> and if we are overvaluing material possessions, we are falling in love with our things. And if that's what we choose to perpetuate, that feeling, that emotion, that connection with a thing, well, man, I mean, we have to realize what that, what that connection is actually going to do to us. Totally agree. P.S. Ryan, we have one more question about excess. Sumi asks... I am a person who loves fashion and clothes. Uh Uh-oh. 
<laughs> but I also realize I have an unnecessary amount of excess clothes that I don't use. How do I find balance? How can I be a fashionista and not buy clothes? <laughs> I would consider myself a fashionista. <laughs> I would consider you one as well, Ryan. <laughs> I can't wait to answer this question. No, I'm looking forward to this because I have I have some choice words to say to Sumi here, but I have some helpful advice that I think we'll really be able to tweeze out. And if you'd like to hear our answer to that question, you can listen to this week's postscript episode over at the Minimalist Private Podcast, available exclusively to our Patreon supporters. So if you want to support our show and keep this podcast 100% advertisement free, then head on over to the Minimalist minimalists.com slash support in addition to our weekly postscript episodes the minimalist private podcast feed includes our ask the minimalist anything episodes that's just for our patreon supporters ask the minimalist anything we're getting ready to record one next week actually ryan ask the minimalist anything episodes unreleased recordings of our live events we've had over 15 live events out there in the last year just for our patreon supporters and you can you can check out the entire back catalog of past private episodes there's over 80 past private episodes out there right now so if one dose of minimalism is not enough for you every week uh you can get a second podcast every single week on the minimalist private podcast feed oh and once you become a supporter you'll receive a personal link to our private podcast feed so that it plays in your normal podcast player whatever you're using to listen to this podcast right now you can find all the details and all the good stuff over at theminimalists.com slash support. And here is a snippet from this week's Postscript episode. I think that being a fashionista isn't the goal. The same way being a minimalist is not the goal. Right. Doesn't mean you can't be a minimalist or you can't be a fashionista, but that should not be the goal because you you are not a brand and, and you're not earning a living from these brands. In fact, you're doing the opposite. You're earning a living to support these brands in a way. Okay, now it's time for our added value portion of the show. Uh, we were just talking about circumcision during the patreon episode <laughs> so we'll see how that plays out speaking of excess oh my god uh, <laughs> anyway um uh this is where we each talk about something that has added value to our lives recently man i've got something that um i try to i try to look at different perspectives on yeah, likewise uh, on not just politics but life in general i want to i want to be bombarded with relevant perspectives yes in my life uh so that well, to i choose only one perspective you, like if you're choosing one perspective only like you're you're doing yourself a disservice what's the, the yeah the confirmation bias in in today's society yeah. is aided by our technology because it allows us to select only the things that we agree with or or we can hate watch things that we disagree with. Like, right. like if you're a super conservative, you can go to Mother Jones and be like, look how stupid these liberals are. If you're a, a, a uh, conservative or, a, a, or if you if you are a, a, a liberal, you can you can go to like a, the Drudge Report and say, look how stupid these conservatives are. Right. Or, but that's not helpful. No. What I look for are helpful perspectives on, on different things. And our friend Lewis Howes, who has been on the podcast before, he did... He brought uh, Glenn Beck into his house to talk about, well, Glenn Beck has a new book out called Addicted to Outrage, mm. which reminds me of an essay that we wrote a few years ago called Fake Outrage. Um, and uh, I'll tell you, he talked, he talked a lot about the current climate, the current culture. And whatever you think of Glenn Beck, sometimes we think of someone like him as a sort of parody of himself. Well, I remember when you were telling me about this episode, uh, this podcast, it was. I was like, isn't that ironic? He's got this book, Addicted to Rage, but he kind of added, uh, I would say he's someone who added to the rage, uh, you know, years ago. Yeah, yeah, well, it, it, absolutely. And that's what he talks about in this interview with, yeah. with Lewis Howes. Like, because he's, he's in this, he, everyone hates him. Mm. Um, and one of, the, one of the things he talked about, I think the year was 2007. I might have some of the details wrong, but according to, I believe, Time Magazine or one of these re- big reports, he was the fourth most influential person in the country yeah and he was also the second most disliked person it's in the country and so like like half the country loved him and half the country hated him in a way and that was odd to me but the other thing that was odd to me is what he was talking about is is in 2016 during the trump 
pres- uh, uh, election during mm-hmm. when he was he was uh, running for president. Mm-hmm. Like Glenn Beck was, he's conservative guy, like mm-hmm. super conservative. Yeah. Um, but also he was super anti-Trump because mm. he was standing on particular principles. But he he also realized after the fact that like the way he was was behaving during that time was sort of div- divisive and fueling the outrage that that right. you're talking about he wasn't listening to the people who were supporting him and and that's the thing that we're not doing and so one of the things that he he talks about in this interview with lewis house we'll put a link to this in the show notes as well as everything else we've talked about today uh, in the show notes but the things he talked about was how some of his childhood trauma or trauma throughout his mom kill, killed herself. Mm. And a few things happened in his life where that lent itself to this sort of polarization for him and acting out as he was, a, a, he grew up poor, but like became wildly successful early in his radio career yeah. and was making really good money in his early 20s. Sound familiar? Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like no one could tell him anything and everything he did he thought was gold. And and uh, he created this own trauma for himself as well and then fueled the sort of outrage. And now we're in this sort of culture that doesn't listen. Uh, we, we, we don't do a good, good enough job of listening. And listening has become this fine art that very few people are connoisseurs of listening these days. Yeah. And so one of the things you can do is, is find these intelligent alternate perspectives. So we'll put a link to this podcast interview. I thought it was really good. Uh, Lewis Howes interviewing uh, Glenn Beck about trauma and addiction to outrage. You know what's interesting about outrage? Someone who is, you know, uh, outwardly expressing their rage. It's doing two things. It is, A, it's fueling the people who agree with them, right? Like it is, it's encouraging those people to get angry at people who don't agree with this, this rage essentially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing it does is the, uh, the people who don't agree with it, it, it just pushes them further away from, from understanding whatever it is that you're trying to say. You're right. And it's, it's um, I guess it's just my way of saying is when we express outrage, um, we're just adding to the problem. There is, there's, there's nothing, um, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I can't think of anything that, you know, expressing outrage would give us an advantage on. It's not helpful. Um, it, sometimes in the moment it can, it can quash a argument or, or keeps in a weird way. It can keep something from escalating in the moment, mm. but long term, it's going, that thing that is going to stew the enraged person yeah. is going to outrage even worse later on. And we're, we're separating people into camps. And, uh, I'm, I'm really, I'm realizing this now where there are, are these sort of, and it's not just political, but there are these fringe sort of groups mm-hmm. that are really, really loud, the outrage fringe. Right. But most of us, 90% or probably 80%, there's 10% on each fringe, and the 80% of us that are left, we're not the outraged ones, but we get affected by the people on, on the margins, and we get we, we, we get down because we see this on the news, and, the, and by the way, the news is culpable, not because of fake news or whatever else, I mean, that could obviously be a part of it, but the, 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 the breaking news is more of a problem than fake news, because what the hell is breaking? If, if, if news is always breaking, then it's broken. Mm-hmm. Tweet that podcast, Sean. Yeah, man. Well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's unfortunate when we see on the news, no matter what, no matter what news source you're looking at, when we see outrageous headlines and outrageous stories, it almost forces us to try and choose a side. And if we, you know, put our plan, our flag with any one perspective, like you've, I feel like you've already lost. I yeah. guess. Yeah. It, because that means you're not willing to listen. Right. right. All, All right. right. What about you, Ryan? You, you have something that's uh, a more, a bit more upbeat for us. Yeah. No. So, uh, Khalid, uh, one of, one of my favorite artists, how old is he? He's probably 18 now, 19. No, he's probably, yeah, he's somewhere around there. Probably 20, 21, so, somewhere around there. So yeah, he put out, um, he put out a, an album a couple years back called American teen. Yeah. He was 18 at the time. It was one of my favorite, like such a good album, like upbeat. Um, really, really awesome. He just came out with a new, I guess it's an EP. It's got like seven tracks it's on so there. It's so weird. Well, if Kanye West made it, it'd be an album, right? Right. All, all those albums are, are, are <laughs> seven tracks. But it, I, I don't know if it, I don't know the difference anymore between an album, an EP, and uh, mixtape. Uh, I don't a, think it matters, playlist. dude. Especially he, with the climate now, it's like you can put out whatever you want and call it whatever you want. Yeah, and but the, the thing that I, I like the description of it uh, that I saw on, on iTunes, uh, 
and they didn't call it an album a playlist ep it said a love letter to his hometown of el paso texas mm. and it's uh it is that I, I i felt i felt really good about when i went, listened to this i felt like he had he had matured a lot don't you think yeah yeah it's good it's it's different from american teen it's a little bit slower but it's still a good album it's called sun city and it just came out pretty well, recently how about we at the end of this we will play i think the first track is called is it called um Man, I think it's yeah, Vertigo. Let's uh, at the very end of this episode, we'll play a, we'll play it out. We'll play you out with some Vertigo. All right, let's uh, let's move on to right here, right now, where we talk about what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. Screenless Saturdays is still happening for us. If you want to learn more about that, it's just theminimalists.com/screenless. And uh, we're getting lost a little bit on on the weekends and finding yeah. out that it's okay to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> Although I'll tell you, man, you know what I've 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 realized? What's that? I'm less productive now that we're doing screenless Saturdays because I work a lot. Yeah. <laughs> and for me, having my computer off for an entire 36-hour period, basically. Mm-hmm. I think it's healthy for you, though, man. It's probably healthy for me. It's taken a, a bit of adjusting. Uh, um, and although I know that. Um, uh, we're doing uh, a simple year, which, oh, by the way, uh, it's the last year for a simple year. Next year, 2019, if folks are interested in that. When does mm-hmm. this come out? Does this come out in time? Oh, yeah, yeah, You can still, uh, early registration ends November 13th. If you're interested in that, just head on over to theminimalists.com slash simple year. What that is, it's 12 months of guided simplicity. It's a it's a new course that Ryan and I are working on. We're doing the, the 2018 one right now. Um, we're, we're, we're doing a, a course on gift giving and... <laughs> Uh, man, we go really, really deep into it's a lot of fun. Yeah, into the gift giving. Twenty nineteen is last time they're doing it, and my partner Rebecca is is taking on a month next month nice. that as well. So it's twelve different months led by twelve different experts. Now next month we're gonna have to break our screenless Saturday. Or I should say this month, November, mm. we're going to break our screenless Saturday rule for an hour or two because we're we're teaching a live workshop. No, that's on the that's on Friday the ninth. We're doing one on a we're doing two in, in November. We're doing one on a Saturday. Oh, okay, yeah. I got gotcha. you. You're yeah. talking about the other one. Okay, I got you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're we're doing two workshops and one of them is on a Saturday. But otherwise, yeah, and I think that's what we're learning is sometimes there are times where you have to sort of break your own self-imposed rules but these rules aren't really just rules they're boundaries Mm -hmm. and sometimes it's okay to step out of bounds as long as you're doing so with intention yeah and uh man i've i've I've, I've learned a whole lot we've talked about it on on past episodes but if you want to join us in that share it with us on social media uh you can just uh you can ping us wherever wherever we are on social media share your your photos just don't do so on a saturday because we certainly won't we won't see it all right what else we have going on oh we have several new writings over at our website right now theminimalists.com we're doing we're cleaning up at the end of the year it's time for end of year cleaning and uh there are some new writings up there right now about intentional living about simple living some new rules for living with less head on over to theminimalists.com to check those out and if you want to comment on this episode you can do so over at youtube.com slash the minimalists also on youtube right now we're doing quickie episodes of the minimalist po- podcast little bite-sized conversations about minimalism we're also doing living room conversations once a week and coming pretty soon we've got some house tours for me and ryan it's just youtube.com slash the minimalists and if you want our podcast show notes to show up in your email inbox then just head on over to our website, theminimalists.com. Enter your email address at the top. Anytime a new podcast episode comes out, you will get those show notes in your inbox. Also, if we write anything new, any new writings about minimalism, those will show up in your inbox as well. But we'll never send you any promotions, advertisements, or spam because those things suck. All right, Ryan, what else you got for us? I got some voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, this is Rachel calling from Newport Beach. My husband and I were recently at a marriage event and the expert speaker, Doug Fields, shared his secret to a fulfilling marriage or relationship. He said those relationships where both people would rate their significant other higher than their partners would rate themselves are statistically the happiest. Essentially just having positive goggles to view your spouse or partner through. It's a pretty simple concept, but pretty profound. Hi, Josh and Ryan. Uh, This is Lori from Walbridge, Ohio. Um, I just want to make a comment about um, items that we keep uh, that you call just in case or just for when. Uh, I also have items that I call 
it's only. Um, when I go shopping, I would get caught in that trap of, well, it's only this amount or, well, it's on sale. It's only this. And I used to find myself buying things just because, well, it's only. And um, I want to thank you for um, opening my eyes to living more intentionally and realizing that um, I don't always need to buy something because it's only. This is Jerry from Kansas City. Thanks for your episode on donations. I'm simplifying and decluttering, and your podcast on donating inspired me. I have a four-bedroom house for me and my 21-year-old son, and I've managed to fill it pretty full, especially the closets in the basement. I know I have many items I'll never use again, and others I'll use so rarely that I don't get enough value to keep the items. I have 12 brothers and sisters and over 30 nieces and nephews. I decided one of them might get value from the items, so I created a private Facebook group for the Jerry Clearance Sale. Everything I listed is for sale, plus some items free to whoever wants it. Proceeds from the sale will be donated to charity, and anything left over after Halloween gets donated. It's a light lift with a deadline, and I'm not trying to sell items to people I don't know who might not have good intentions. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. If you have a question for The Minimalists, give us a call, 406-219-7839. You can also email a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com. And if you leave here with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. Oh, and let's uh, let's play them out, Ryan, with Khalid. This is Vertigo. Unless, oh, yeah. Unless you're on YouTube, then uh, we'll put a link to the, the video. Enjoy.
eyes closed, eyes closed. I've been falling with my eyes low, eyes low. I've been falling with my eyes closed, eyes closed. I've been falling with my eyes low, eyes low. I've been falling with my eyes closed, eyes closed. I've been falling with my eyes low, eyes low. I've been falling with my eyes closed. Eyes closed, I've been falling with my eyes low, eyes low, I've been, I've been, I've been eyes closed, eyes closed. 